I'm Booker Young with Young Ranch in Bandera, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donald. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, there are several factors that impact the price of corn. Dr. Mark Welch discusses those with TFB Radio's Carrie Martin. We'll have that report coming up as we kick off today's show. But first, my name is Jessica Dolmel, and I'm your host. I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Transpecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here lately, we have been getting a lot of rain in the Texas High Plains, and that could be setting the stage for a big season for dryland sorghum. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. U.S.-Mexico agricultural trade relations are a focal point at this week's U.S. Meat Export Federation Spring Conference. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from the former chief negotiator of the North American Free Trade Agreement for Mexico just ahead on Texas Ag Today. As the saying goes, April showers bring May flowers. Weed control is an important part of overall forage management. We will talk about important factors in weed control. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. There are several factors that can impact the price of feed corn. Carrie Martin has more in this report. We have seen a big drop in corn prices over the last couple of weeks. And to talk more about that, we're checking in with Dr. Mark Welch. He is Extension Grain Marketing Specialist with Texas A&M AgriLife. Dr. Welch, let's take a look at this corn market. We've seen some of the new crop contracts drop below five bucks. Good news for livestock producers, but not so good if you're the one growing that corn. You know, I think that's going to be a challenge for us. As we go into uh, the 23 and then into 24, the impact of the broader economy in the U.S. as well as globally, and then other supply and demand factors. Uh, if you look at the major use categories, you know, maybe start with the feed category. You know, USDA is projecting that if you look at the numbers of grain consuming animal units as a measure they update for us every month, you know, that number has been trending lower the last year or two, primarily because of what's happening in the cattle market. We know what the drought that's uh, impacted so much of the U.S. and the cattle herds. Uh, the sell-off that's been going on there, our cattle on feed numbers are lower uh, year over year. And, you know, we may see some rebound on, on the poultry side, but, but there's going to be some challenge growing that feed demand base, uh, given what's going on in the cattle market. Dr. Welch, how much of an effect is ethanol demand having on the market right now? Uh, of course, the primary uh, outlet for our, our corn market there would be uh, ethanol blended with gasoline. 
in a, a time of uh, economic challenges, perhaps a recession still on the horizon, that gasoline demand forecast is one that, that's going to be challenging moving ahead over the next uh, for the rest of 2023 and again, perhaps into 2024. Well, I know the corn market has been struggling with export demand since the beginning of the year. So how is that playing into the corn market right now? Export competition. We talk about that big crop out of Brazil. Uh, are there, uh, you know, China is still importing a lot of grain, but will they have other uh, outlets that might be available, particularly with, uh, you know, world corn supplies uh, looking to be uh, much more adequate, not only just in the U.S., but certainly in the Southern Hemisphere as well. So, yeah, I mean, you just kind of category by category. We look at uh, could be a, a challenging situation for the use side of the ledger to grow in proportion to what we're seeing on the supply side, particularly in a, a challenging uh, macroeconomic environment. I think that's going to be very difficult to do. Weather cooperating, uh, the incentives are there for folks to increase production. And I think the challenges are certainly the headwinds are there to uh, for, for demand to keep pace. Dr. Mark Welch, he is a grain marketing specialist with Texas A&M. I'm Carrie Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The rains continue on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt joins us with an update. As we continue to experience significant rain events around the Texas High Plains, we know that a downside is that a lot of you farmers are being kept out of the fields. Hopefully, planting delays won't become too much of an issue, but on the good side, soil moisture is building up. And local agronomist Russell French of French Agronomics in Amarillo says one thing he's looking for is a lot of dryland sorghum going into the ground in the next several weeks. We've improved our subsoil moisture from nothing to maybe, you know, we're probably up to a couple of foot, maybe a little better than that in some areas now, which definitely is enough to go ahead and plant dryland grain sorghum. You know, sorghum is a great crop for this area. It's very drought tolerant. Uh, it's relatively inexpensive to put in. So you're going to see a lot of grain sorghum be planted. And I would encourage growers, if they're thinking grain sorghum, to be contacting their local seed dealer to get some locked in because from what I'm hearing, there could be some shortages on grain sorghum, especially the most popular varieties. And there's another issue sorghum growers need to keep in mind. All this rain is going to bring out a lot of weed problems, so having a good herbicide program figured out on your dryland grain sorghum is extremely important because later on we're going to need what subsoil moisture we've gained. I'm sure we'll have some dry spells this summer, and we certainly don't want to share that subsoil moisture with weeds in our sorghum crop. Russell French says if you need more information about putting together a good herbicide program, the Sorghum Checkoff and the Extension Service are both good resources to go to. A couple of additional notes from Russell French. He says we're not seeing much in the way of insect pressure in the area right now, although there is potential for thrips to start appearing in cotton fields, and he doesn't expect disease issues to be much of a problem in area wheat. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Before there was the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, there was NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. One of the negotiators who helped iron out the details of NAFTA looks back on the deal. TFB Radio's Tom Nicoletti has that report. At the U.S. Meat Export Federation's Spring Conference in Minneapolis this week, the former chief negotiator of the North American Free Trade Agreement for Mexico, Kenneth Smith-Ramos, addressed the conference general session. 
He says agricultural trade has thrived under NAFTA and its successor pact, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, bolstering food security across the continent. I really am convinced that trade in the ag sector has been one of the most important success stories in the history of the NAFTA, and now we should continue with the USMCA. We have very strong exports from the U.S., of course, in meat products, in oil seeds, in grains, and quite a few exports from Mexico, primarily in fruits and vegetables that we can grow year-round. It's really successful. Uh, you're seeing other regions in the world that are suffering tremendously from some of the external shocks in the prices of commodities rising lack of access to grains, to flour, whereas in North America, we do have a food security environment. People tend to concentrate on manufactured goods, where in reality, at the end of the day, the most essential piece of trade between our countries are food products, both primary agriculture and, of course, processed foods as well. Smith-Ramos goes on to say that challenges still remain for ag trade between Mexico and the United States. Looking at how we can, first of all, solve these disputes that are looming, whether it's on corn and GMOs in Mexico, both having to do with seasonality in the United States, how to solve these challenges so that we don't go down the route of protectionism in the ag sector, and rather we continue taking advantage of this important agricultural trade relationship. That is Kenneth Smith-Ramos former chief NAFTA negotiator for Mexico. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Weed control is an important aspect of forage management. Dr. Vanessa Olson joins us with more. Weed species effectively compete with more desirable forage species for sunlight, moisture, and soil nutrients. If enough weeds are present in the pasture, the carrying capacity of the pasture is decreased, the nutritive value of the forage is reduced, and input costs are increased. There are several factors that are important when it comes to weed control. These factors include weed identification, sprayer calibration, timing of application, and following label directions. We cannot make the best management decisions if we don't even know what the plant is we are trying to eradicate. Identification will determine the timing of your herbicide application, along with the herbicide we choose. There are a multitude of resources available to help with identification. County extension agents, extension specialists, websites, books, etc. Once we have identified the weed, we can determine if the plant is an annual, biennial, or a perennial. Growth pattern will influence our timing to maximize control, as well as reduce future populations. Correct identification of the target plant helps ensure the selection of the most effective herbicide as well as the most effective time of application. Sprayer calibration is a critical step for a pesticide applicator in making sure the correct amount of pesticide is applied to the target site. Calibration is the process by which the amount of pesticide being applied per unit of area is determined. It is important to calibrate your pesticide equipment on a regular basis to ensure that output from each nozzle is consistent and the desired application rate is achieved. If the equipment is not properly calibrated, the pesticide will probably be applied below or above the desired application rate. Calibrating a sprayer is not as difficult as it sounds. Your local county extension agent can provide you with a brief step-by-step -step guide that is easy to follow. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application, a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal following use. 
This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Low stress cattle handling techniques can improve your herd's health. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Low-stress cattle handling can lead to improved herd health. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. And Dr. Herman reports in Bovine Veterinarian that low-stress handling of cattle creates a domino effect. By minimizing stress when handling calves, you will see improvements in immune response to vaccines and calves go back to eating and gaining weight quicker after undergoing procedures. Low-stress cattle handling incorporates the understanding of cattle's natural behaviors to positively affect cattle movement. When we are stressed, we are more likely to succumb to a cold and calves are the same. Dr. Herman also indicates that low-stress cattle handling impacts mothering behavior plus the growth and behavior of future offspring. So minimizing stress in today's animals can affect the behavior of your herd in the future. Dr. Herman gives three tips on working cattle. The first is to take advantage of their flight zones, as when you enter their flight zone, it encourages movement, and when you back off, they stop moving. Secondly, when a problem with movement occurs, stop and determine why the problem is occurring, considering the movement of people and the design of your working facility. Lastly, provide training for your workers. Everyone is not born knowing how to work cattle, and it requires training just like any other job. Safety for the cattle and safety for the workers should be a priority. There is a lot of training available online at bqa.org. This Beef Quality Assurance website has a lot of good information about handling cattle, as well as overall cattle health. And I would encourage everyone that has cattle to visit bqa.org. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Your ideas on how to address certain conservation-related issues could earn you $100,000. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is once again hosting its annual Theodore Roosevelt Genius Prize competitions. The competitions are designed to engage the public, spark their interest, and ignite the imaginations of Americans when it comes to addressing six important conservation-related issues. Those issues are preventing wildlife poaching and trafficking, promoting wildlife conservation, managing invasive species, protecting endangered species, managing non-lethal human-wildlife conflict, and reducing human-predator conflict. Prize winners are eligible for up to $100,000 per winning prize solution. 
The competitions are open to all Americans. They are designed to build a community of innovators who can help guide the future of conservation. FWS Director Martha Williams said today's communities and wildlife habitats face sizable conservation challenges like climate change, wildlife poaching and trafficking, habitat reduction, and the loss of pollinators. She said we need innovators with a wide variety of skill sets and perspectives to help us collaboratively advance resource stewardship and conservation around the globe. Last year's winning ideas included an invasive reptile smart trapping system, a nucleic acid barcode that identifies poached and trafficked wildlife products, and a robotic technology that reduces cattle predation. The deadline to submit entries to the competition is June 27th. The winners will be announced in October. Details are available on the FWS website and on challenge.gov. There, search Roosevelt Genius Prize. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded higher on Thursday, and many nearby live cattle contracts hit new contract highs thanks to strong cash cattle trade and higher net beef sales for the week. June live cattle up $1.20 to $167.30. August live cattle up $0.65 cents to $164.77. October live cattle up $0.65 cents to $169.02. May feeder cattle even at $208.97. August feeder cattle up $0.17 cents to $234.70. September feeder cattle up $0.45 cents to $238.07. Boxed beef Thursday was higher. Choice up $0.64 cents to $298.99. Select rose $1.14 to $284.93. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. He's joined today by Gary Butler of Nixon. I had a pretty good run, Larry. Uh, we wind up with 1,112 head, uh, 201 cow, and 22 bulls. Uh, calf market still considers to be strong as it has been the last month. So, uh, anyway, two and three weight steers at the 229 to 270 heifers, a dollar 77 to 245. Three and four weight steers, dollar 89 to 285. Heifers, a dollar 82 to 245. Four and five weight steers, 210 to 280. Heifers, dollar 92 to 235. Five and six weight steers, dollar 93 to 260. Heifers a dollar eighty-two to two and a quarter. Six and seven weight steers, dollar eighty-seven to two and a quarter. 
heifers, dollar seventy six to two twenty four. Seven and eight weight steers, dollar sixty two to two fifteen. Heifers, dollar sixty three to dollar eighty one. And uh, best cow yesterday was a dollar two bulls, eighty six to a dollar twenty six. Stocker cows had a few of them, six fifty to eleven hundred. And the pairs the same way, eight oh five to sixteen seventy five. Larry, sounds like you had a good sale. Now, will we have one Monday or not? <laughs> no, sir. We're going to be closed Monday due to Memorial Day, and uh, we'll be back the following week and probably have a pretty good run again. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler. You can catch us here at Selborne at 830-582-1561 or 62. Catch me on my mobile, 830-857-4330, Larry. We appreciate you. Thank you. And neighbor, thank you for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs traded lower again on Thursday after several days of trading lower this week. And let's say packers haven't been as aggressive this week due to the short week next week due to Memorial Day. June lean hogs down $2.15 to $77.65. July lean hogs down $3.57 to $77.25. May class 3 milk fell 3 cents to $16.17 a hundred weight. June class 3 milk down 29 cents to 16.08 a hundredweight. We saw triple digit losses in the cotton market again on Thursday due to uncertainty in debt ceiling talks. July cotton down 160 points to 80.12. October cotton down 175 points to 78.89. December cotton down 178 points to 78.50. July corn up three and a half to five ninety and three quarters. September corn down four and three quarters to five ten and a half. December corn down four to five sixteen. July hard red wheat up five and three quarters to eight eighteen Thursday. September hard red wheat up four to eight eleven and three quarters. December hard red wheat up three to eight oh six and a half. Soybeans traded lower Thursday, impacted by concerns with the financial market. July soybeans down a half to 1324 even. November soybeans down 12 and three quarters to 1172 and a quarter. June natural gas fell nine cents Thursday to 229. July natural gas down nine cents to 246. At one point on Thursday, crude oil fell more than $3. Reuters said it is because the Russian deputy prime minister played down the prospect of further cuts by OPEC+. July crude oil fell $2.56 Thursday to $71.78. August crude oil down $2.41 to $71.88 a barrel. The Dow down 74 points to 32,726. The S&P 500 up 31 points to 4,146. And the NASDAQ up 198 points to 12,682. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.